What's going on, people? Welcome back to another episode of the Uncensored Critic Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me again for another very special episode with another very special guest. And yet we have another member of the GSA family with us today, and that is the great Adam Boardman. Adam is an actor who trained at, at the Guildford School of Acting on the BA, BA acting course. Uh, his credits include, uh, you might find him actually around the country right now in the current uh, UK tour of Les Miserables. He is ensemble and a backup to a little-known character called Tenardier, and of course, he actually got the honour of playing Tenardier the other day. So I saw your Instagram post the other day, and that <laughs> must have been it must have been quite a quite an experience. Uh, so yeah, um, oh, I've just smashed my microphone. That's a great start, isn't it? Uh, so uh, Adam is currently uh, the cover for Tenardier Lamus uh, UK and European National Tour. His other credits include Casca and Julius Caesar on the RSC UK Tour. Puck in a Midsummer Night's Dream with the Verona Open Air and Berkeley Castle Company. Leonardo in Much Do About Nothing for, again, the Berkeley Castle and Blind and Palace. Uh, he has also appeared on television and film. Uh, his credits include The First Team for BBC Two uh, slash Fudge Park. Woodrow in Bleachy Doomsday, different uh, different world films. Adam is also uh, featured in commercials for brands including Google and Tesco. And he's a... a a blinking and shining light into the industry right now and it's a fantastic opportunity to talk to you today Adam how are you sir all good all good got like I say I've got a couple of days off from Lamez so it's nice to be back in London and uh chilling out yeah fantastic fantastic you know how's it going so far with the Lamez tour all good yeah I've been I've been sort of associated with Lamez now since 2019 Mm -hmm. I started in October 2019 so it's coming up to three years of being in it with a big two-year gap well 18-month gap for COVID so uh yeah we're on it feels like we're on the last stretch even though it's still got five months left it feels like we're coming to the end because I've been in it yeah for some time um so yeah it's it's a it's a funny feeling of looking forward to maybe what's happening next and also Ooh, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, all that sort of thing. So yeah, it's a funny, it's a funny little feeling. As I'm sure you'll be absolutely fine, man. Yeah, I remember you saying uh because we first met you on that Zoom call and in uh GSA a few weeks ago, back in the careers week with the great uh Grania Burns, a little shout out to Grania. Hey Grania. And uh and I remember you saying about how uh, of course you had the break with COVID, and then the producers of the company said when the theatres were getting back up again, they were like, Adam, do you want to do you, you want to come back? And you were like, Yep. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to yeah, come yeah. back. It's not a no-brainer, really. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, felt very, very lucky, very fortunate to be to be an actor who had. We ne- it was never guaranteed that they'd go back, but a big juggernaut like Lame is, you, you, you're sort of hoping that it will. Of course, yeah. So uh, I always had that in my back pocket. So yeah, as soon as they said it, it was a no-brainer. Absolutely. Um, so I've got a few more questions about Lame for you, but we'll get onto those just a little bit later. So, uh, so I'd like to kick things off on this show with a starter question for everyone. Uh, to begin at the beginning, as Dylan Thomas says, uh, where did the spark of inspiration for you come from to be an actor? Where did it all start? Where did it come from? It's a funny one, really. I started very late, you know, if you split, especially if you think in the terms of musical theatre, you know, you've got some of these girls and boys who were who were on ballet shoes and point at four years old, and, <laughs> uh, you know, ripe to become the best, the best of the, the best British musical theatre star from that age. Whereas for me, I probably first started really thinking about going, oh, quite like this at about 16. Um, I'm from, there is no theatre in my family. Uh, other than Nana's old VHSs of Roger and Hammerstein's, or, <laughs> you know, there is literally no 
no theatre. I'm from a real working class family of labourers, not labourers, but people who work on tools. My dad was a roof tiler. Yeah. Uh, you know, my my pops, my granddad, he he works in various plumbings, and you know, he, we were a, we're a real working class family. So growing up, I was a rugby lad, uh, not because I really enjoyed rugby, just because I was a bit too fat to play football. <laughs> and we're a football family. Um, silly, and when you're when you're a young lad, if you're if you're a stocky young lad, you can absolutely be a brilliant rugby player. So I got into rugby, and I ended up again, sort of really getting encapsulated in that as a young age. And I was playing for county and various, you know, um, high levels at academies and things. And it was looking like that was the way I was going. Mm. It was rugby, and uh, it was in school. I had a teacher like we do again. Another sort of the stars aligned a little bit. It turned out the school I was at, my comprehensive secondary school, was an, a college of the arts. So I sort of grew up with just expecting all schools to have a top-of-the-art drama, drama studio, state-of-the-art rather, uh, you know, music studio, music you know, instruments everywhere. And, you know, this is just a comprehensive outside Manchester, you know what I mean? And oh, yeah. you know, it's huge funding for the arts. So one of the teachers like, come on, Come and be in Billy Elliot. We're doing Billy Elliot. And me and me and my best mate still, who's uh, a military man now, but he was we were both in the rugby teams. We were like, oh, let's do it for a laugh. Yeah. Lo and behold, did that, got a bit of a taste for it. And I think then at 16, I auditioned for a, a, a college called Pendleton in Manchester, which is again just a another star alive over each the local college. That's where you go. You go there if you're doing physics sports science but it just turned out at the time and probably still now it has one of the best six forms for performing arts mm. so I just auditioned for it and they were like yeah you can do it if you want and then I also got into a rugby uh, <laughs> college so it was like at 16 do I go and do what I've been doing for the last five years or do I go and do something completely different and I went for something completely different I think I was yearning for something a bit different I was yearning to spice it up a little bit even from that age looking back I think, you know, I always wanted to do something a bit different. Mm. I wanted to sort of get away from the town I'm from. Not, you know, I love it there, but it, I just wanted to do something different. And I think that from an early age is the sign. And to be fair, I'm very lucky. I've got parents that were like, okay, so you've been doing this musical theatre thing. Because I went and did a musical theatre course at sixth form. You're doing this musical theatre acting thing for what, six months? But you've been doing rugby for 10 years. All right, go and do that then. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I was very supportive parents in that sense. And then... As my fiance says, who did train as an actor but isn't anymore because she she decided early doors that it wasn't for her. She mm. said, and it's a hobby that got got, out, got a little bit out of hand. Mm. And I think that's what happened to me. I, I enjoyed it. Got to Pendleton, did it there. Was just it, I loved it there. And then next thing was drama school. And then da, 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 and I'm still doing it now. And I'm a bit like, oh wow, now did that happen? Because <laughs> um, it was definitely never planned. So yeah, uh, the inspiration, I suppose, was yearning for doing something a bit different from a town where I'm from. No one does what I do. I still like going home and chatting to the boys who, you know, are, you know, various different trades. And, you know, I'm, for lack of a better phrase, mentally. <laughs> no, I, I relate entirely, mate. You know, I, I grew up doing rugby as well. I played at the local club and everything. And uh, I don't know, because my granddad was a rugby player and everything. So I thought, like, the sports genes were, were in the family. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So, That's it. We're a football yeah. family. No one plays rugby either. So I just think, I just, yeah, it was just a funny one. Still love me sport, still love me football, but uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, you, know, you know what question is coming next, don't you? 
Who's, who's your team? Man United. I'm from Salford. Oh. So I uh, I will I will never take any of this criticism that I am a, now a London Red or I'm a glory. I'm, I'm certainly not a glory supporter anymore. But yeah, I'm from Salford. Davis football team is Man United, and I'm proud of that. Proper proud of that. Going on. Oh yeah. Always be season ticket and used to love it in my uh, football hooligan days. Football hooligan days. You never lose it, but I've learned to sort of like tame my football. Oh god, yeah. Oh god, yeah. Like I've learned. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you a football fan? You? Yeah, I'm an Arsenal fan. So yeah. Well, you really have to tame your anger. You're all right now, but um, yeah, yeah, I think I I had to learn that early doors. Like (laughs) a funny little tip I have for any football fans who might listen is if if we have an absolute howler, it does bother me. Mm. I just think of all my mates, all my family, who are United fans, who are feeling the same way, and it makes me feel a little bit better. Oh, yeah. So that's my little little thing I do. I just go, it's all right, Boardman, it's not just you, that's an annoying idea. Yeah. Everyone else, they are annoyed as well. <laughs> so, no problem shared is problem halved. No, no, I know the same thing. And I, you know, being an Arsenal fan the last, well, my whole life, really, but the last sort of five years have been very, well, I mean... We've went had a lot of, to cheer about over the last five years, but you know, we've, you know, because yeah, so, so, you know, sadly we went to Old Trafford the other week, and sadly we lost. But you know, yeah. yes, I, I, th- I thought we were the better team, but you know, you guys got three probably opportunities. Were, and, probably were actually. Yeah, no, but you, you guys deserved it. You got three chances and took them. We were just like, you know, someone put a meme out on the internet of uh, you know, remember that scene from Indiana Jones? I think it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. You've got him facing off against some uh, some guy in the Middle East yeah, who's got yeah, a yeah. sword. He's doing all these tricks and like that. I just went bang. So that was you guys <laughs> to us, basically. That, that is that is spot on, actually. Yeah, I thought. I mean, I was like inside. I was like, I hate that, but, <laughs> but sadly, it was actually quite accurate. But yeah, yeah. Just, anyway. But you know, football is football is life. I suppose. Yeah. So I've been I watching. Think I think there's a real, uh, a real. I think there's a lot. Of, you find a lot of actors. Obviously, football is the biggest sport in the world. Like it's not just actors. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. There's a real drama to it. There's a real passion. There's a real um, like there's a romance to football, which I think. Yeah. So many creatives who obsess with football. I just think it's that sort of game. It's just yeah, powerful. Yeah, I'm. I'm probably going to get a bad stick for this but I'll, screw it I'm going to tell this story so I don't come out of this story very well but I had to, okay. I'll just put it out there uh, this is when I sort of had to sort of tame my football mm. uh, hooliganism sort of part of my brain or personality or whatever you want to call it yeah. so uh, we yeah Arsenal were in the Europa League a few years ago it Wenger's last season and uh, we got to this semi-final against Atletico in the first five minutes they had a man sent off and they had their manager sent to the stands and I was just thinking this is us. This is our game, but this yeah. is ours for the taking. And then knowing our still, we screwed it up. We conceded yeah, yeah. a goal in the last minute. And then I just I sat there and I had a few beers. I won't lie to you. But uh, <laughs> I had uh, I went home. And I was so livid. I, I had an Arsenal coffee mug in the cupboard. Right. I, took it out, I took it outside and I threw it against the patio <laughs> wall. And, uh, and yeah, again, I don't come out of this well, but my dad... <laughs> Yeah, but my dad the next day looked at me and said, are you okay? Are you okay? And I was like, I'm fine. Yeah, I, I went too far. I went too far. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. But, uh, you know, it's football. Football is life. You know, I've been watching Ted Lasso recently and, uh, you know, Christo Fernandez. I need to say it because obviously Christo Fernandez as well. Yeah, he was at GSA. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good yeah, friend yeah. of mine. He came in, did same week as you actually did that week of yeah, um, yeah. talks. He came in and it was very nice. And, uh, I still need to watch it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I need, that's, that's one on the list to me, definitely. Mm. no it's a good watch I recommend it very really good um, 
so yeah um so i think we sort of arrived quite quickly today at uh, your role in les mis and um so am i right in thinking i, I know you read out all your credits at the beginning but uh what was the first thing that you had? oh no actually sorry uh so tell me about like your first sort of steps outside of drama school so you finished gsa you've done the showcase you've done your final projects yeah i actually got my first couple of yeah. jobs whilst still at gsa um because obviously you're on I was I was I was kicking the door down a little bit at GSA. Not that I was I had a fab time at GSA, and this is nothing to do with GSA. I just think if anything, it's a credit to GSA that that I was mm. so keen to do it. Mm. Like the going into third year, I was just like, I want to do this sort of now. Mm. I'm, I'm paying spotlight. <laughs> you know, you pay for yes. your spotlight. You've had your headshots done. Yeah. At the start of third year, then people are coming in and saying you're actors now. I'm going, yeah, well, I'm an actor. I'm going, it's not making me any money. You know, I, this is a career. Mm. Um, so I was keen and I just started submitting myself for everything on Spotlight, stuff that I wasn't right for. You know, mm. you know the, the, the feed that we get as actors is obviously nothing like the agents one. Mm. And so I just put myself up for random stuff. And I remember I got my first audition in <laughs> January and it was at Spotlight. This is January 3rd year, it was at Spotlight. Mm. It was for an infomercial about... Um, uh, bombings actually it was like an infomercial for some, they ended up full circle I didn't get it I had absolute howler actually but it was nice to sort of get that out of my system when yeah. it didn't matter I was at GSA you now I went in it was all improv and it was all blah, blah, blah. it was a bit icky as an audition looking mm. back but I I, mean, I obviously didn't get it but then I was doing a bit of front of house work in between jobs about three years later and mm. we were doing like uh, training on safety and lo and behold thank god I didn't get it just sat in front of 300 people you know who I was working with comes this video of mm. this infomercial about uh. how to see a package that's got a bomb. Oh, it was a whole thing. Hey, um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. then I kept submitting myself, and then I ended up getting the Tesco job mm. um, at GSA. I was still at GSA. I went for the audition, uh, got it, and GSA were good for that. They let me go, um, let me go to it, and then yeah, the I booked it, and it was that was just one of those food love stories things, which has haunted me ever since. Actually, because it's just a picture of me with a mac and cheese and it was on billboard speaking of football it was outside Old Trafford it was outside White Alley it was everywhere um, but it, what it did do and I reckon that's why I recommend it when I speak to grads I'm like submit yourself for stuff like you're not signed I got to take home all that cash no commission mm. and and it wasn't big money it's not the sort of money that your agent put you up for actually but for me as a third year he was about to go into London from Guildford I got to think I'll pay two, two and a half three grand for it Mm. I ain't sniffing at that for a day's work, you know what I mean? So it exactly. was, it was that was that was money that allowed me to go on and do other things. So um, I'm a big fan that GSA let me do that, um, mm. and I kept. And then I signed. I actually signed off the back of professional jewelry, which is. Did you do you still do that? Which is like the agent day, the panel day. I don't know. If, might have uh, we didn't. I don't think we, we had one of those. No. Yeah. It's basically you go to Spotlight in town and there's a morning session, afternoon session. There's about 10 agents in the morning, 10 agents in the evening, in the okay. afternoon. You go in and do a couple of speeches. I actually got signed off the back of that. So that was in February. So I was signed quite early, maybe March actually. Um, so I was auditioning through the, that latter part of GSA. Um, and then my first, I actually booked my first job, but didn't take it, which was, it seems silly now. But I booked my first job, which was a tour with Payne's Plow. Um, I got it literally. The, it was actually I found out I got it at Grad Ball, so that was how close to graduating it was. It was right at the end, and I was also auditioning for a film at the time, a lead in the film. Nice. So obviously we were getting really close to the film to the point where I had to turn down the play 
to carry on auditioning for the film. Mm. And you know how the story goes. You get to the last couple or whatever and you don't get it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, that was a lesson learned then. Um, but, and then I, then I did the stuff in Barclay in Verona. And then it was at the RSC at Christmas of the first year, which was really cool. So Nice. Fantastic. Um, so, and so what did you get Lamez sort of a couple of years after you? Yeah, so I did Caesar and then I, you know, so it was going well the first year, definitely. You know, I got Caesar, I'd filmed a couple of shorts, um, I'd done the Shakespeare's, I did much doing and and um midsummer, and then it went it went not that it went quiet, I was auditioning, but just nothing was happening, you know. Um and I was off I was finding it took about a year then for me to get lay Miz. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, took me about a year. And that was a year that was like, you know, I had moments. I actually had, I'd booked two adverts that were cancelled, mm. which was tough. So, you know, those little commercials that can keep the money going and keep you ticking over. Mm. And actually, I booked one that was cancelled pretty much straight after, but I booked one that was cancelled the day before we were shooting. Um, so, well, those were things. But then, yeah, uh, it was, what I often find is you get in a cycle. So it's like, it's busy, say, in October, and then it's busy in February. But if you don't, if you get on a run of, I remember getting on a run of recalls, two or three things, and then none of them going your way. It's a big old wait then to get back on that run. Yeah. And that happened twice, you know. I, I felt like I got close to a few things on two occasions, and it just didn't happen. And then Les Mis came, and I actually um, booked two jobs. I booked Les Mis and another job, and I, I took Les Mis. So it was like, you wait for a bus, you know what I mean? And yeah, of course. They opened yeah. up once. Nice. And what's it? I mean, because you, you've been doing Les Mis now for, uh, you know, as you said before, like before the pandemic, yeah. and then they invited you back, and then now you've been doing it since, since then as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it's what what's it like being part of, you know, possibly the greatest musical of, of all time? Yeah, it's, it's fab. It is fab. Like, uh, Les Mis is just one of those shows, isn't it? I have, I've always, I, I did the acting course at GSA, even though I started through sort of the musical theatre thing. And I'm not a musician, you know, I can sing, but some of the singers you've got on the Western now, you know, I can't do that, you know, these big tenors and stuff like that. But yeah. I always was an actor who could sing. So Les Mis was one of those shows that just made sense, you know. Mm. Um, and yeah, it is fab. And what's, and it's huge. It is huge. Yeah. It, Massive. Yeah. One thing that I can never let myself take for granted, actually, is that we play to the biggest houses in, I'm on tour, obviously, all over the UK. Mm. That are always sold out, pretty much. Yeah, you know, they're always standing ovation at the end of the day, and it's and it, it's just it's just one of those massive shows. There's about I think it's ninety odd of us that tour. A cast of what thirty, and then you've got orchestra, you've got crew, you've got chaperones, you've got the kids, um, you've got and these local crew that we meet, we pick up on the lay. We've got wardrobe, we got you know, so it's a proper big team of us that go from town to town and we you know we've just been in Norwich love Norwich cracking little city we're there for, and you sit in places for a long time which is another thing when I was in Caesar we moved every week which is hard work you know you you, you do your shows Monday to Saturday you just move on the Sunday we were lucky we often got the Monday off and then we do Tuesday Wednesday and, and the weeks would roll on mm. but we sit in places for about a month for Lamez and like a town like Norwich lovely city little small city we take it over <laughs> you can't move down the street without seeing someone you know what I mean um, but yeah, it's fab. I've done probably about 450 of them now. I think it's about that. Might be a bit yeah. more. Yeah. And you still don't get bored of it. No, you never do. 
No, the, mu- like, the music is that good. Um, and don't get me wrong, there's, there's days where you're at work, you know what I mean? And yeah. it's hard, it's tiring, you're away from home. But I do love the job. And that's that's the key thing, yeah. yeah. I do enjoy the actual work. Sometimes the touring element or the, the routine around a, a big show is tricky. And that's what you can get tiresome of, you know. You're seeing the same people every day, like everyone who's got a job. Mm. Well, everyone who works sees the same face every day and it can get a little bit frustrating but <laughs> the job itself that's what keeps you ticking over absolutely uh, of course you um you also mentioned in your bio you went uh, around europe as well where else did you go yeah well, it was funny so obviously before covid it was it was billed as the european tour but okay. because of covid we only actually ended up going to zurich Okay. And I don't think there was many, I think it might have been on the Zurich and Dublin that was on the European tour. Um, but yeah, doing, going, the opportunities that that brings, you know, like Zurich is a, a town you don't really go visit because it's so expensive, obviously, in Switzerland. But to go there with work was really fun. I think we were there for nearly six weeks, actually. Oh, wow. Um, so we really lived it, the Swiss life. And um, <laughs> that was good, good crap, you know. Yeah, champ- champagne, caviar. Well, I don't go that far. It's more. Uh, <laughs> it was more. There's a pub. If anyone who's taught us Zurich, no, everyone will know this pub called Sips, which mm. is owned by a bloke called Simon Ip um, Sip, and it's it's like in a block of flats, but it's the un, it's the bottom flat, and it's built out to be look like a sort of old English pub, but it's got ceiling tiles. And everything's broken and it's a bit naff. Uh, the beer goes through a soda stream, but it's open 24 hours a day. Um, so anyone that we use basically it's not champagne and caviar, it's <laughs> it's beer and sips. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that's an acceptable alternative. <laughs> <laughs> so um so tell me about the um ins and outs, because uh, you know, we met on Zoom uh, a few weeks ago in that careers event as well, where we met yeah. yourself and Christo, and uh you gave a great um uh, in-depth discussion about um, the ins and outs of touring and how um uh, well you know the not only just like life on tour like moving from theater to theater etc but the actual kind of details of like um like where to go like where, where to live and, and stuff like that and how to sort of get the best deal for yourself when you tour um, yeah. so could you sort of like recap some things you- yeah I, I suppose it sort of stems from the talk that I do which is called surviving your first years out Mm. Uh, and we can chat about that in a bit if you want about how that talk came about but yeah touring is touring's getting harder actually um, in the sense that it's getting it's expensive it's getting expensive so there's there's different ways you can tour so you you're you're on you're on tour you get your wage and you get your subsistence which has actually been upped now equity or subsistence has been up from 260 to 300 pound a week that's what you get basically and that's for your digs your food uh travel separate they'll pay you for your travel so you've got that money and people because people will often say to me oh where did they put you up and it's actually no they give us the money and we put ourselves up um so it's good and it's bad so it's good in the sense that if you can find somewhere to live for 100 pound a week you're pocketing 200 quid Mm. great but that's getting harder to find Mm. um you can do the classic what we call the classic theater digs which is staying in someone's back bedroom just, mm. I don't like it. No. I don't, it's a great way of saving money because they they used to be about when I first toured. Even that was only what four years ago with Caesar. I remember I was doing some of that for like 80, 90 quid a week. And then you pocket in the rest. You know what I mean? 
great. And when you're doing weekly tour and you don't mind it, but when you're sitting down places for a month, six weeks, like Lame is does, you can't be sitting in, you know, someone's bedroom. No, <laughs> bedroom. Yeah. You do. And sometimes you have to, like in Norwich, for instance, Norwich is a really tricky town to get digs in. Um, digs being like, uh, normally I would get an Airbnb with a few of us and we'd stay in an Airbnb or in an apartment and we'd, you know, if I'm spending £200 a week on that, that's good. I think that's a good yeah. deal. That's, you know, it only leaves you really with what would have been 60 quid, but now 100 quid mm. um, for everything else, which is tricky. But you're looking, if you want to live, say if you're on tour and you're on your own and you want to live in a little flat on your own somewhere, you're spending upward of £300 a week. Mm. And that's just not feasible. That's just so expensive. Yeah. But yeah, Norwich, sorry, going back to that. Town's tricky to get apartments in. So a lot of us are in what called hosted digs. Um, I was lucky that I had the best ones I've ever had, actually. Really lovely lady. You've got your own bathroom, got your own room. House is immaculate. Use all the appliances, kitchen, whatever. That's fine. Because you are, you come and go. She was actually away for two weeks, but as well, so I had the gaff to myself, which was meant. Um, but you hear some shockers. And it's the safety aspect of it that was me as well. We know we I had a horror story with one of the girls on tour when we got to Glasgow. We got to Glasgow at Christmas. And, you know, it's cold, it's wet, it's raining, it's dark. And she's been billed that she's got a one-bedroom flat for relatively cheap, but she had a one-bedroom flat. She gets there and it turns out it is a one-bedroom flat, but the landlord is going to stay there and sleep on the sofa. <laughs> like, obviously. Yeah. No. We've got, we've got WhatsApp group. <laughs> group. Get out of there. You, know, <laughs> or you turn up and the pictures don't look like what they used to. Oh, yeah. Or you get there and... Ugh, there is that sort of like one of the boys in the cast recently went there and he was in what I think was the kids' bedroom and she's moved the kids out into another, you know, all these stinkers. Yeah. Um, so for me, as a general rule, I go, there's always a, you know, there's a pool of about four or five of us that will always get two beds, three beds. Mm. Um, and we just, we just look after ourselves in that sense. Um, but that's the tricky part. Finding digs for a long tour is, it can be trickier. And, you know, I've already returned to ones I've stayed in before. Like, I'm, we're in Canterbury next. The yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I've been in there before. And you've got to fuck them early, you know. The, the one I'm, I'm in, a lovely digs caught on little little street called Love Lane. And I booked a month, like, literally, like, nearly a year ago. Um, and everyone's like, oh, he's got Love Lane. I was like, me. Because then everyone knows the Love Lane digs are really nice. But <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's another thing as well. You're, you Obviously, you get paid your £300 weekly. But if you're doing it through Airbnb or whatever, you know what it is. You have to pay 50% up front. Mm. So, you you know, you're paying for, you know, paying a thousand pound out to digs that you're not going to be in for six months. Yeah. And so the money side of it can get a little bit tricky. That mm. being said, touring is fab. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the tricky bit. But when you do get good digs, oh, some of the places I've stayed in, Honest, honestly, some of the some of the places are absolutely stunning. I've stayed in like um, little quick. There's a brilliant place in Liverpool I stayed in, which was this really lovely Georgian townhouse that was each floor had its own room. It was not practical, but it was lovely to live in. Even <laughs> the kitchen was on the bottom floor. Then that's all there was, and then the next floor up was the living room. The next was a bedroom. Then the next like really cool little quirky wow. house. Um, stayed in some you know bougie apartments. I remember we were in in Hull of all places. Um, a couple of the girls was our mates were staying in uh, like a little penthouse thing that they got with a roof terrace in the summer. You know, we get to we, you know stay in some lovely places. I'm just saying it's getting a little bit expensive. Mm. Um, but touring, I've I've never done 
a, a long running show like Lay Miz, like in town, for instance, mm. I'm used to every month changing venue, the routine changes, the dressers, local dressers, the local crew, the the backstage changes. So I'm I, I sort of that's like my um, the thing that helps me keep going. Mm. I, I, I find myself getting a little bit bored on the fourth week of a venue. I'm a bit like, let's go mm. to the next one. Yeah. Well, that's the West End, I suppose, isn't it? You're, you're there for the whole time. <laughs> you're there for a year. <laughs> yeah, for a year. Um, so that's the bit that scares me about doing a long running show in town. But then my lifestyle will be different. I'll be at home in, with my like, my fiance, and we do all the nice things that we get to do in London um, rather than that. But you know, we have lovely weekends away. Basically, we treat every venue as she'll come up, and we'll have a little nice day out. And we see, you see the country, you see the good, the bad. Mm. Um, yeah, the show though, because it's looked after so well, never changes. You know, it, mm. it, the show. It, the the only thing that might change is it might just be a little tighter on stage. Mm. That's honestly what the audience see. That's what that's what I find quite remarkable is literally will be the same as in size and scale mm. um, everywhere. It's the West End production, but slightly bigger actually because we're we can fit bigger houses. Mm. Pot or um, the backstage can be absolutely mental, completely different, but you'll never know on when you're watching it from the audience. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's quite amazing. It gets so well looked after. Oh, yeah. Uh, do, do you guys have a revolving stage everywhere you go? Because I know for one day more, there is a revolving stage in town. Yeah, so but... that's the old production. So Lame is obviously opened in 1985, which was the RSC production at the Barbican. Yeah. That had the Trevor Nunn revolve. That was in then the West End for years and then in 2010 they put out a new version which is the tour mm. which is the one I, which they revived again from the one i'm doing which doesn't have a revolve um but it's a bigger production bigger more modern more uh yeah more so they call it the 21st century lame is it really is big and then in 2019 they got rid of the original from town and put the new production in, in london so mm. now the production i do which is the touring production He's also one in the West End. Yeah, so he's no, we've no revolve, but we've got bits moving, flying, zipping about. Um, mm. It's yeah, it's big. Nice. I mean, how, how did you get it? Was it a, just a phone call from your agent to say that you've got a, this audition for? Funnily enough, at GSA, that I, I've auditioned for Lamey's before. Um, I, I auditioned for the original, and I was at GSA, and Lamey's come into GSA to audition musical theatre, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously I could sing a bit and whatever so GSA had organised that I go in with the MTs um, and that year I, I got a recall um, and I went and it was for the Tenardier it was for the same track that's a very musical theatre term track nice. um, as what I do now I suppose but in the original production and I didn't get it that's fine and then I saw that it was on Spotlight um, about three or three years later and I just rang the agent and said listen can, can we try get me back get, get me back in and we did and I think I had five rounds because they were wow. they were auditioning which is not many really some some you know 10 10 12 rounds of people yeah um, and I was auditioning for yeah, the, the first three rounds we were auditioning for the West End and tour so they were trying to see where I fit in either obviously then they cast the West End one and then they were like right we'll, we'll get you in for the tour mm. um, first round classic take your own stuff in your own couple of songs and then you start reading the material, mm. which was for me the Tanadier stuff. Nice. Um, I, I I hope I'm not bringing up bad memories for this question, but uh, you know you've spoken about your 
best times in in digs going around the tour. Yeah. What's what's been one of the worst experiences you've ever had? Well, here's a story for you. I was doing Caesar, and like I say, Caesar, I had it was my first big job, and I was trying mm-hmm. to figure out. You know, I, I remember I turned up to the first day of rehearsals, which were in New Year's. We were the day after New Year's Day in the Barbican, and we I think we did I think we did four or five weeks rehearsal for season. And I turned up, and I was and I was just like, right, I brush your tail, and, I, and everyone's like, I was like, well, so what are people doing for digs? And I'm doing this thing coming in, and everyone was like, oh, we booked all our digs. You have to book them way in advance. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so I had five weeks to find a tour's worth of digs. Uh, so I inevitably ended up in some howlers. We arrived in, we were doing the new Vic in Stoke. Um, the, the, the brilliant thing about the Caesar, the production I did, was because it was the first encounter, we went into some schools as well. Mm-hmm. So it was a production that we put on in the theatre and then maybe a couple like, sometimes we didn't, but most weeks we'd go and do a production in a big school and all the kids would watch. And they were fab. So the, the, the production was rehearsed to be quite fluid in its, in its staging, as in we did... We played it in the round, we played it pros, we played it thrust, we played it, uh, we, we actually played it in a church, you know, like a big old church level of an aisle. Like we, we changed the production around loads. Mm. Um, so one of the venues we did, which was the New Vic in Stoke, which is, I don't know if you've ever been, a brilliant thing. I really liked it there. I really liked my time. I was only there for a, probably a week, 10 days. Yeah. And it's in the round. Uh, anyway, so we got there and it probably arrived on the Monday and I checked into the digs and I got there. And the lady opened the door and I was like, I'm here to, I'm here for the fix. And she went, oh, it's my mum who runs that sort of stuff. I was like, oh, oh no. She's like, we thought you were our Chinese. Uh, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not Chinese. Like, Let me show you your bedroom then. So I went upstairs, dumped my bags. And I was like, get, it was just, a, it was literally the third bedroom of this clearly family home. Um, it was nice enough, but it was like, right, you share our bathroom. I was like, oh, great. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was like, no worries. And I just dumped my bags. And I was like, get me out of here. Like, so I went and met everyone else and we all went out. We ended up having a few beers. Mm. And obviously the few beers got a little bit heated and we ended up going out a little bit. Not going out, but I remember it might probably been about one o'clock in the morning. I'm going out. Yeah, sure. I've, I've, I've got to go back. I've got to go back. <laughs> and I'm going back there. And I put the key through the door nice and quietly. Yeah. Obviously, I've not met the lady. Who's yeah, at this point, I met a daughter waiting for a Chinese, and I opened the door, shut the door, and I'm halfway up the stairs, and it's. I'm thinking, what's that? And I go downstairs, and I've had a couple of beers, but like I'm not drunk by any means. I get downstairs, open it, two policemen. Uh oh. <laughs> uh, what you what are you doing? I was like, I'm, I'm like, I'm going, I'm going upstairs. Who lives here? I, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> You know, bit, he's like, do you live here? I was like, no. And he's like, well, who does? I'm like, oh, um, she's called. I'm like trying to remember. I'm like, she's called Kate. I think it's Katie. And they're like, what do you mean you don't know? And they're getting a bit in my face. Like, what do you mean you don't know? Anyway, I get pulled out of this house by these two policemen, put on the bloody deck. I'm on the deck, <laughs> facing the dirt. It's one o'clock in the morning, bloody stoke. And uh, <laughs> anyway, it transpires after some <laughs> heated conversation, the lady's car had been stolen. Oh, <laughs> someone had reported a garage was like at the back of the house, uh-huh. so she didn't see it. But a neighbour had seen someone nicking her car. So the police get called. They come round. They see me stumbling up the driveway, fumbling with a pair of what they thought they were. <laughs> they, they said they thought I was fumbling to get in. So they thought I've nicked the out. I've nicked the car. I've come back to get the house. 
And I've gone in, they've asked the door, they've asked me who I am, and I said it, and then they've gone, who lives here? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I get dragged onto the pavement, and I remember it happened. what do you mean? I was, I'm, I'm an actor, I'm an actor. I'm an actor, I'm just here to, I'm, I'm doing Shakespeare down the road. <laughs> I'm just playing Casco. It's not, it's not bad. It's, not, it's all good. <laughs> oh, God. oh my God, that's fantastic! I mean, can you get the? Can you get her? We need to tell her the car's been nicked. Yeah. So I go upstairs, knock on the door of the woman I've never met. Uh oh. Hello, I go hiya. It's Adam. She's like, whoa. She obviously a bit for what? What do you want? I was like, the car's been nicked. The police are downstairs. <laughs> I went to bed, woke up the next morning, packed my bags, left the money I owed her on the for a week on the on the uh, kitchen top, and went and stayed in the Premier Inn for the rest of the week. Just, oh, that's a good shout. That's a good shout. But yeah, that was that was a pretty traumatic tour experience for me. Was the old uh, the old uh, being arrested for a, a car robbery I didn't commit. Well, that <laughs> <laughs> did you did you tell the cast? Oh, I'm, I'm, I assume you did, but uh, what did they make of Next it? Next morning, you better believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I turn yeah. up to the theatre with my bag, it's while you're going well, you're not going to yeah. believe me. I'm checking into the Premier Inn. Why? I got a, I was nearly arrested last night for robbing a car. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That was a bad one. That was a bad one. Well, Lamey's too fair. Have I had any hours on Lamey's? Um, not really. Not really. I wouldn't say I've been quite, I've been quite, oh, there was one lady actually in Southampton who, me and a friend, I booked the job and I realised that when we, the cash was announced, a mate of mine who I've known for years from Pendleton was in it. Mm. So we're like, let's sort digs out together. We knew each other for 10 years, whatever. Yeah, great. We bought these digs in Southampton and it was billed as two bed annex, own kitchen, own ensuite each in big house. <laughs> so we turn up. And yeah. to be fair, by the annex bit, that's playing with the truth a little bit. Mm. We did have our own kitchen and we did have an ensuite each, but mm. it was on the second floor of a house where her bedroom was. Fair enough, whatever. And I remember us turning, we got back from the show one night and we got, she was like, oh, let's have a cup of tea in her room. So we went into, as in my mate, so we went into her room and the shower was on. What the bloody hell? What's going on? I said, leave the shower on. And it was like, it was like a washroom. Mm-hmm. Not shower, it's like an open washroom. Yeah. And in there was the digs lady, uh, butt naked. <laughs> right. <laughs> Showering. But and we were like, why are you why are you using the shower? She went, I just I was cleaning it and it's just easier to shower whilst I'm cleaning it. <laughs> She's just <laughs> in the mud. Um right. yeah. not as bad as being arrested, but still uh, uh, a bit of a howler. <laughs> Oh, I, I, I don't have any. I don't have anything to counter that. that, that that's the story. That, that's the story of the day. Now, now I do have one story about. I, I, I wasn't arrested as such, but yeah. uh, I, I remember I was. This was my first summer. Out of oh no, this is another bad story. Oh fuck it, why not? And uh, uh, yeah, so I was working at a local pub. So first summer out of uni, just done first year. Okay, right, I need a job. Like go to the local pub, yeah, make some yeah, money, yeah. And, and then go back and have some money to spend. And uh, one night I was in the pub around the corner and then a, a bunch of us went out for a staff, like a work outing, as they call it, although we just went out into town and got drunk. 
And uh, we went, we ended up back at one of the girls' houses. And I was thinking, oh, God, I'm so I'm drunk. I've got to go home. I am not in a good way. And funny enough, I, I did an Irish goodbye shout to Roy and uh, Tom. But uh, <laughs> if anyone doesn't know what an Irish goodbye is, I know this because I was told this by an by Cavan, who's a mate who's from Ireland. Uh, he said an Irish goodbye is when you just leave a party without saying yeah. goodbye. You just leave because you just you just got to go. As so I did one of them. And I was walking up the street and it was pitch black, all the street lights around. This is about half past one in the morning. And I'm thinking, and I've got my torch light. I'm literally just like walking up the path like that. And I see these headlights coming up the road behind me. And I'm thinking, okay, just, just don't pay any attention. Just, just don't pay any attention. And this car starts to slow down and stops next to me. And I'm thinking, what is this? I look to my left and it's the police. And this very lovely, very lovely police officer. She's looked up, she said, are, are you Okay. I said, yeah, I'm fine, absolutely fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we just saw a light up the road. We just wanted to see what that was all about. And I was like, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm just trying to get home, yeah. And they're like, okay, cool. And I don't know what came over me. I just looked at him and went, look, I just live around the corner. Would you mind taking me home? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she went, yeah, hop in. So I just got in the back of a police car and they took me home. And then Ooh. and then I shook the policeman's hand and said, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And they were like, don't worry, mate, get home safely. And I was like, okay, yeah. great. The next day I get in the pub and they were like, Ollie, well, where did you go? Where did you go last night? Said, no, guys, it's cool. Relax. I got taken home in a police car. <laughs> <laughs> and they went, what? <laughs> and like, yeah. For like a, a year or two after that, um, they just kept bringing it up. And uh, funny enough, the sort of main thing was my landlord, in the pub you know it's quite a you know quite a, a it's quite a stone-faced guy he didn't really say a lot but uh i went up to him one day and i said so, oh have you got my shifts for next week he said oh yeah you're doing wednesday thursday friday saturday yeah, yeah. stuff like that i was like cool and then he went oh how was your night out with the guys the other day i said oh yeah it was fine you know yeah it was good fun yeah i got taken up in a police car so yeah. it's all good and then he just went sorry what <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, you've got to tell me this story now. Obviously, that doesn't even compare to yours. <laughs> but oh, uh, I just I thought I'd get that out of there. But you know, just yeah, luckily I didn't get taken away in it, though. Yeah, but that's insane. That's yeah, insane. Yeah, just like that's you know, it, that's just one of those things. But that's I think if there's a there needs to be, I think equity are working on it. In fact, I know they are like uh, sort of a reef uh, a rejig of how the touring system works. You know, we're the yeah. only country, as far as I'm aware, that we have to organise our own digs. And even when you go abroad, so when you go to Zurich, when we went to Dublin, when tours go abroad from UK-based companies, they sort your digs out. So in Dublin was brilliant, actually. We, they put us up in, um, these. everyone had their own little studio flat in a big block, really lovely. And it worked, it operated like a hotel, it had a gym, it had a bar, it had, you know, but it was a, everyone had their own little studio. Um, and then what you do is that you don't have to pay for that, they pay for that and then you get given uh, per DMs, you know, in cash. Cool. For your, for your, for your beer. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and that's, that system should operate a little bit more in the UK, I think. When we're playing these huge cities like Bristol and Manchester and it's all right when you play in Hull and Norwich and places like that where you can walk home. Um, but when you're staying in places like Bristol uh, and you've got to live a bit further out of the city, or you like Glasgow. I my I, I lived in a nice part of Glasgow, but I had to walk all the way a mile down Sofiel Street at you know eleven o'clock every night to get home. And there was a few times where it got a bit tasty. You know what I mean? So I think the safety element of it can be looked at a little bit. I think from mm. um, yeah. and you know obviously we have to take you know we make sure we walk home in pairs and we you know mm. 
because there has been a few instances where people have been uh, been in a few instances, isn't that? Nice? Yeah, no, I can I can imagine if yeah yeah, yeah I can think, I know exactly what you're gonna say, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting about how. Um, I was just thinking, I like, I know the production company's budget is is stretched enough as it is, you know, set and a million and one staff and cast to to take Mm -hmm. care of and make sure they've got enough money to pay them. But, you know, do you think they could, I I, I don't mean to sound like a snob right now, but do you think they could do more like for you guys? Could they organize for you, do you think? I think there should be a, not, listen, like you said, if we, the big powerhouses like Ucanmax and, you know, those companies that, that have got, Lots of money. Yeah, you could you could say they could throw money at a problem and say, right, we'll give you a bit more money, but that's it. Where I think it's actually a slightly more rooted problem, which is the quality of digs isn't good enough. Mm. You know what I mean? So mm. I think it's actually, and I think there's, there's a there's a website called Theatre Dig. I think there needs to be a regulator. Yeah, I think you can't yeah. host theatre digs and take money for it unless they've been regulated or meet regulations mm. in some way. So I think I know the Theatre Digs Booker, which is a website which does what it says on the tip. You can mm-hmm. book Theatre Digs through it. I think they're working with equity at the minute. I'm not an equity rep, so as in you know in the company, so I'm not up to date with it exactly. Yeah, yeah but uh, I can speak to a friend of mine and, and, and I'll find out a bit too late now. But I think they're working to try and find something that that's the problem. The pro- we can throw money at a problem because all what happens is if they're not stupid. If you run theatre digs, you know we get three hundred pound a week, mm. so the prices get hiked. You give us yeah. four hundred pound a week, the prices will just go up. Yeah. What is happening is the quality, the actual reg- uh, regulation, some sort of um, ruling that dictates that the digs should be at a better quality. Mm. Um, for, you know, and we sh- we often and I get it. Places like Airbnb, they probably get shafted by your standard punters, people, stag dudes, yada, 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 that go into, um, that use Airbnb for those reasons, for holidays and things like that. Whereas we're using it from a work perspective and we make sure we look, we look after those places. Yeah, of course. Um, so I think sometimes we can get tired of that with a brush of, you know, uh, you've got to pay big deposits and things because you're going to wreck it. Well, no, like we, we, we've got to live there for six weeks. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that's what the problem is. I think it's a it's a bigger it's a bigger problem than just throwing money at it. I think it's actually let's make digs better. Mm. Yeah, because you know it's living conditions, and you want to be in top shape for shows, especially if you're doing like a two day two show day. You know, exactly. like, like, yeah. it's just if it, yeah. And I think what what inevitably happens is I I often used to go let's do hosted digs. You can save a bit of cash, but you actually mm. don't because what you do is. You don't cook because you don't want to use some randomer's kitchen. So you end up eating. If you're not eating out every day, you're eating crap. Yeah. So, or you after every show, you sat in the pub because you don't want to go back. So whereas if I've got nice things, yeah. I've probably paid about £100 more a week for. Mm. I'll cook every day. I'll go mm. back and sit on my house and watch Love Island instead of going to the pub. You know what I mean? So I think there's, <laughs> there's that element of it where actually it pays to just have nice things. Yeah, because you know it's you know a healthy environment, healthy minds, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I'm I'm curious to know about your. I love hearing actors talk about their various stage stories, and uh, you know, because I imagine like you know, I mean, not only because I think this is a bit of a side note, really, because you've got kids in the production, like the Eponines and yeah. the Gavroches and stuff like that. Um, the uh, the story thing, stories question, just wait for one second. Um, but 
and I've got a mate who's my mate Elliot Harper is currently Miss Trunchbull in oh in, yeah cool, cool. Town, town at the moment yeah lovely lovely man and an amazing actor as well you know if you're ever in London and want to, I'm not sure yeah, have, you yeah. seen, have you seen Matilda you know what? I haven't I haven't yeah, yeah. well if, if you want to see it I go see it like now while, while he's there because yeah, yeah, yeah. he is fantastic in it he's very, very good. she's a GSA girl she's just been cast as Miss Honey as well which is, which is oh fun. amazing yeah, yeah. But uh, he he did a podcast and he talked about how because they've because obviously Lame is is the amount of kids in that show is nowhere near the amount of kids in Matilda. Yeah. But yeah. he talked about how the turnover and rehearsals and stuff like that and you know the yeah. with this group and he said like one week they were effectively rehearsing like twelve they were doing twelve shows a week at one point because the yeah. amount of kids and stuff like yeah. that. What was it like for for you? Well, guys? Was, um, we. We've had a couple when you have a little cash changes, or you have so recently we've just had three new Gavroshes come. Mm. And yes, you do rehearse. Um, I'm not a swing though. The swings do the take the good foot of rehearsals. They'll do the I only really get called for the tech when they're in the when the kids are in tech and we need they need everyone there for tech conditions. Um, but the swings they do rehearse quite a bit. Um, so they'll rehearse on stage throughout the week um we've got new casts starting as well we've got a new fontaine joining us uh, lauren drew um so we will oh, be yeah. a little yeah fab yeah we look forward to that um but we'll have a couple we'll have a rehearse a little bit throughout the week mm. it does feel like you're rehearsing quite a bit because you start and then it's cover rehearsals you do your cover rehearsals in the day while the show's on in the evening yeah sure that'll happen and then you know, there's always a cover rehearsal, first covers, cover rehearsal, second covers, and then there's obviously a few little third covers, so you'll have a rehearsal for them. Mm. Then you get new kids. We've had a new Eponine, a second Fontaine, and we're going on to our third Fontaine. So, like, you do rehearse, you do you do stay in rehearsals. And also, because we tour, we, our first week, our sort of, we preview, we have a press night in every venue, which is great, little party, lovely. Mm. But, <laughs> It's usually on a Friday. We'll arrive on a venue on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. We'll get there. We'll do a dress rehearsal, full dress rehearsal. A uh, show the day after that will be a one-show day, but we'll rehearse in the day, most likely, because inevitably things will need to shift in. They'll bring a, a creative will come in and go, that's not as good as it used to be. Let's fix that. Or it could be a, a case of spacing. It could be a case of tech. It could be mm. need to reposition the lights so they need the people in. So we, yeah. we sometimes, you feel you're in a squatty, but, you know, it's, it's part of the course. It's the job. Yeah, I can understand if you're on something like Matilda or School of Rock or mm. where the ch- changeover is often, then it gets intense. Yeah, um, yeah. But for for him, it's like, and especially I'm not swinging, so I'm, the swings do take a lot of the rehearsal. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good for them. But uh, uh, yeah, he told he's talked about how like doing like twelve shows like in one week, and 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 I can just imagine like but he was very he was very relaxed but he said yeah it gets tough from time to time i'm like yeah. 12 12 shows a week yeah that's that's mental we, like we, we'll often do nine show weeks i say often we'll do nine show weeks We've got a lot coming in the the lead up to christmas we'll do a lot of nine shows yeah and then, you know like nine lame is it's a long time but you know we, we do get you know you do get paid for your nine show and nice. we often like for instance we're off this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm not in till Thursday morning. So really, yeah. I'll get three days off, which will obviously then be, they'll put a nine show week. I'd rather a day off and mm. do two, you uh, know, an extra show and do an extra matinee day. Yeah. Uh, and I think they're really fair with that. 
And I think, you know, they look yeah. like that. We had, a, we had a day off at the Queen's funeral and they put they moved that to another matinee. So we had two doubles back to back, which is, you know, for layman, for the, for the boy, you know, you, the people who are singing the the big stuff, you know, Antonada, you cover and Brujon, you know, the vocal mm. is demanding for me. But for someone, you know, if you're Val John, it's going to be tricky, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. Um, I'm curious to know about the your stories. Like, do you have any like funny audience stories? Because you know, there's these famous ones like Al Pacino getting into the audience when a phone rings and he's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. "Al, I'm acting, go away." <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But do you have any funny stories like from any from any days of the tour, over from your Caesar days as well? Oh yeah, we <sighs> trying to think of the ones that are, are, are all right to say. Yeah, um, you, you can be, you can say any of them, mate. Any, any one of them. <laughs> A bit of a taste one actually, where the, yeah, yeah, we it was just a, it was an accident actually. The barricade sat on fire in Cardiff. What? Um, yeah, um, it was fixed and handled really well, obviously by the company. But yeah, yeah. it's just one of these accidents that happens. You know, we have flambos, we have live fire in the show. Got tripped, fell on the back curtain, and the barricade lit. The, the, the audience thought it was real, which is pretty cool. Um, so that's one one thing. But we we do have some funny. Just inappropriate noises at inappropriate times is usually mm. the main culprit of making us have a little giggle. Um, yeah, we, we're back. Because it's the barricade. The barricade, we're all on stage. And, you know, little fall rain's happening and these really quiet moments. Mm. And you'll just have what feels like the most projectile sneezes <laughs> or coughs coughing fits or something oh, like that. Yeah. It's, it's silly isn't it but it, it, you know but on the whole we have we don't have we do we do have a very funny one in Glasgow actually which was um, we're in this production the the convicts were on a big boat so we're rowing it's like uh, we're rowing on this big boat yeah, and yeah, yeah. you're looking straight out so you see in the audience you see in the latecomers or whatever and on the front row we're in Glasgow and on the front row we saw a load of commotion lights and various torch lights and stuff from the front of the house. I mean, it kept going for a lot of the number. And obviously, Valjean's doing his big prologue there. It's a big, yeah. uh, his big slither queen. It's a real, you know, intense bit for him. And yes. he's, he's like, you know, that's so off-putting what's going on. Turns out that the people have got their tickets wrong and they thought they were coming to see. I don't know how this has happened. It right. says they on the ticket. They thought they were coming to see the... Uh, the Joshua fight, the Anthony Joshua fight, like live screening of the Anthony Joshua fight. What? <laughs> um, like how, how out of your mind are you that you get there and not realise what they thought they were at the Anthony Joshua fight and obviously when a big orchestra starts playing the Les oh, uh, prologue into Valjean's soliloquy, they realise that actually they're not at the live screen of the Anthony Joshua fight. They are at uh, Les Miserables. So that was quite a funny one. Wait, wait, hang on a sec. <laughs> yeah. They thought they were at a live screen. They, that's what they thought they were going to see. How it's on the ticket, I don't know. Were they meant to come and see Les Mis and they got the wrong tickets? I'm not sure. But I think it, yeah. Or they were gifted them, I'm not sure. But they thought they were at the Anthony Joshua fight screening and they were actually at Lamers, which I think is hilarious. What a... I mean, surely you, you walk into a theatre and 
it's people there with the programs and the the, the yeah. set and oh. we have a preset which is a doors which has lamers on it. <laughs> no, they still ignore that. There's lamers around. Like they're on the front row. Like how out of the skull are they? That they, they didn't, yeah. Hmm. That's a that's a funny one. We have lots of little funny bits that happen on stage as well. You know, I I'm a big believer of like let the funny stuff will happen. Oh, like. Yeah. Making yeah, each other sure. laugh is not funny, really. It gets a bit boring. Whereas mm. when something funny happens, yeah, it's just great. And that's theatre and people love it. We have the Tenardiers in the wedding scene have these big metal plates that throw in, they throw like they're stealing them and they get caught and they get thrown in the air and they land on yeah, the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll roll off into the pit and, <laughs> you know, hit a, one of the players or they'll roll in, you know, and stuff like that. Those little moments of uh, yeah. things happening. But, um, yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Not too, yeah. Not too, I was getting in trouble. <laughs> that's fantastic. I just have a few more things for for you, Adam. Today, just before we sort of finish, um, what what's it what's it like being Mr. T, being Tenardio? Yeah, I I'd, I'd sat on it for a long time, not doing it, being a second cover. Um, but then I got on in Hull, which was amazing. I loved it, loved it. I was actually really chuffed with myself. You know, it was. I, it had been about four months since I'd done it before in rehearsals or cover runs or whatever. So it's been a long time of not doing something. And I just, yeah, did it. I did, you know, it just went really well. Nice. <laughs> and I was, I was, I was really happy with how it went. Um, yeah. Yeah. I did it I most recently did it about three times and yeah, it went, went really well. Uh, it's a businessy track there's lots of business there's lots of little bitty bits and then pickpocketing and so you know so you mind off and things like that but when you know something so well you just it just happens and it's nice to prove to myself that I can do it because it's you know it's a big part um but yeah loved it and bless my the first time I went on my fiance lives in London he's a prime school teacher in London I got because it was a two-show day I found out about nine o'clock in the morning that'd be on so she got on she managed to get out of work early I don't know what the kids did. Got, out work early, <laughs> got on a train and she was in Hull for the second show, which was which was really nice. So she got wow. to see her first, yeah, bless her. And then she was on a train the next day at five o'clock in the morning to get back to London to be in school for nine o'clock. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Shout out as far as she's concerned. Yeah. yeah. What's your what's your fiance's name? Laura. Laura, shout out to Laura there. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she loves she loves you, man. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, but I loved it. Loved it. What I do it, what I do it some more. Um yeah, great. Fab. Fantastic. Um, so yeah, just a couple more things before you today. I've loved hearing your stories, man. This has been such a cool conversation. Um, so I think the main thing, uh, you again, going back to that Zoom call you had with us a few weeks ago, which was all about just keeping the faith and just keep going with things. Because I, I, like we said before we came on today, I'm in a position where I'm writing to agents at the moment. Uh, I've had one email back sort of saying, okay, we're, we're going to look at it. We're going to get, yeah. we'll be in touch and stuff like that. And I'll be honest, I had a bit of a moment yesterday. I thought, oh, I about sat by a computer just staring at an inbox, which wouldn't like have any new yeah. emails. Um, think, and I kind of slip into this feeling of like, oh God, is this is this what it's going to be and stuff yeah. like that. And obviously I know it's not, but obviously we have those moments of, of weakness in life. But um, what's, what's your advice to actors just coming out of drama school now and to just, how do they keep the faith? Be it's okay. so tricky because it's 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 always like preaching to the choir because I know come January I'm I'm doing the same thing you know what I mean I'm, yeah of course I'm sat there worrying you know worrying and I'm a worrier and I'm already going oh god what you know yeah me too, me too you yeah. know what's yeah. 
how can I cope? And I've already, I already in my head, I, I have my little coping things that, because listen, it's a waiting game. Yeah. It is a waiting game. Whether you're waiting to get an agent or you're waiting to hear back from an audition or you're waiting for an audition or it's a, it's a the actual time of waiting and how in your head you are. Um, because it's not, you know, you sort, of, you sort of run your own business. I run Adam Limited, which is that of an actor. And I, the only people I have to talk about the business who understand it really is me. And that's why you get in your head about it. I think keeping yourself busy, you doing things like this, podcasts, or, um, you know, I have your, your hobbies, things like that. You've got to really keep on top of it. Um, yeah. And the one one advice I was given, and I say this all the time in my surviving first years out talks, is if you do one thing a day, Monday to Friday, that makes you feel or, or is a part of your career, that is aiding your career. I'm not saying you do something wild. I'm not saying you go out and, you know, email 50 people every day. I'm not saying that. Send one email. Send, um, you know, look at one, read applet. You do something a day that just makes you, even if it's watch something on telly and then you go, I really enjoy it. Who cast it? Put it into a little spreadsheet, whatever, you know what I mean? Something that's going to tick you over it's just keeping you connected to the industry mm. when you're feeling as distant from it as you you, you can. Because there is moments where you do feel really far away from it. Because mm. we we all have friends, all of our mates are in it. All some of our mates are doing well. Some of them like are working. Some of our mates are in times where it's not going so well for them, or that it's just life for an actor. Yeah, of course. I think if you can just feel in control of it, just a little bit by doing that one thing. I'm not saying slot. You know, that's nice. The Monday to Friday, like working week. I'm a big believer of work hard, play hard. I'm a real work-life balance, I think, is really important. Yeah. Um, I think that really helps. Mm. So even if... Don't send 50 emails in a day. Spread it out a little bit. Do 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 10, five or 10 a day over a week. Mm. Because then you, you're ticking, it's ticking over and it's still happening. Instead of, I'm, I'm bad for it, I'll have a day with a laptop. Like, oh, great. Smash out a load of stuff, and then I'm like, twiddling my thumbs for the next three days, going, I'm, I'm not in this routine of working as an actor. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah, that's what I'd say about that, definitely. That's, yeah, that's brilliant, mate. Yeah, that, that's just really good. Really advice that. Just do a little thing that just makes you feel connected with it. Even if it's just bloody reading... A publication stage an article something that just keeps yeah. you in, in the loop yeah no that, that's brilliant yeah and uh you know i've I admit i've been caught in this trap of sending like email after email every day thinking okay i've got to get it out today and then yeah. for the next few days i thought well i can't follow up because i sent him an email two days ago yeah and, exactly. yeah, and uh i'll be honest I, yeah i've uh, i was i did i had a bit of a i invited alex jennings onto the show i don't yeah. i don't i don't know him but i got his agents uh details and stuff yeah, yeah. and uh i'll be honest i sent one email a few too many times and uh yeah. I, I get an email back saying to oliver we've got your requests you don't yeah. need to send us any more emails yeah. and so i wrote back saying oh yeah sorry about that and yeah. uh, and yeah, uh, well, turned out it wasn't available but hey so yeah um that's it you you want to be you want to come across it's the fine line between keen and uh and sort of over eager, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because and, and, there's a fine line between that, and I think yeah, how the gentle pro- you, 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 we don't know what's going on in people's minds. Yeah. They might be thinking, "Oh shit, gotta get back to online, gotta do that." 
when actually that is in their mind. So the constant, it's a tricky line to cross. I just think if you send an email, you don't get reply. I think you can send a follow-up. Um, if you don't get a reply from that, then you need to leave it for some time, I think, just because yeah, they're obviously not in his face. It doesn't say never email them again. Yeah. But email them or something else another time and it might hit a better, you know, you email someone when they're in the busiest month of their life. We don't necessarily have to, we don't know that, do we? So, yeah, it's, exactly. It's exactly. Yeah. And uh, I love um, that thing you said to us uh, about having some, keeping some money in your back pocket so you yeah. can treat yourself like, once in a while. That's a nice thing you've I think as yeah, well. you've got to, I think actors, there's this hate, and I hate this trope. And Because I, I, when I do this talk, I've done this talk now to like six, 700 grads. And this is often this feeling that actors have to be penniless, you know, creatives who can't enjoy their lives because they're an actor. Mm. It's not punishment being an actor. Like, we should enjoy it. We do it because we love it. Mm. But make sure you've got that little rainy day fund. I'm not saying, you know, keep a load of money so you can go away for a week to a beefer. I'm just mm. saying if it's shit day or you've had an audition or you've gone and done something that you're proud of, like, fucking go and have a beer, man. You know what I mean? Go and yeah. do what you enjoy. Like, for me, that would be go and treat myself, go and have some, going out for dinner and having a beer with my mates or with me, you know, with fiance. Like, that's great. I think it's important to do that. If you sit and stare at your laptop, stare at your phone, not working what we call muggle jobs or extra jobs mm-hmm. to, to keep the bills over and you're just starving yourself of fun mm. to be an actor, then you, you're the, that's, they're the people who don't do it for as long, I think. Mm. Yeah. How can, you, how can that be sustained? No, that's absolutely true. Um, do you think there's, do you think there's any sort of, I know you, as you say, you do this, uh, to actors all the, all the time you give this talk and you know I'm very grateful for your time if you've like uh, if you have felt like okay I'm repeat today then then oh no not at all not at all I do I like I, this talk came about because uh, I was asked to do some work at the Actors Centre after uh, I did the Alan Bates Award years ago and uh, they were like can you come in and do a talk uh, come in and do a workshop I said like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to I was only two years out of drama school at this point I, said, I don't know what I'm going to do right. I, I don't feel like what do I have to offer to people who have you know just graduated and mm. one thing I thought was actually I would love to have known what it was going to be like just ahead of me we had an actor come in and do a talk like I said GSA for us but he'd been out he graduated before I was born oh fab actor loads of great stories but it was just I wanted to know what it was going to be like next year when I leave mm. what it was like in 1992 <laughs> on the set of whatever yeah um, it's very true. very true and that's why I started it and then in lockdown it just took off and it's I'm now thinking about like treatment for a book as well um, wow yeah so I just think yeah it's it's a, it's something that I think I uh, it's nice when I get feedback from it because it puts people at ease a little bit because I'm honest and I'll say this is my experiences this you know it's not always easy oh yeah never but, change man don't change honestly. yeah yeah <laughs> like you've got a be honest with people because like my my partner Laura she trained and decided at the end of third year that well during job school that it wasn't for her and she then used that training that she's got to go and do something else and I think it's important that we don't just and drama schools don't just talk about acting I know we go and do course we do an acting course so obviously it's going to be about acting but I think when we do any sort of professional development stuff it doesn't always have to about being an actor mm. Because the likelihood of 30 people that leave drama school in a year, all 30 of them being actors, is literally non-existent. 
10 of them will act. The other 20 will have will find new ways of, and different things that they want to do. Um, and, you know, I've got mates that are now writers, Ross and Tom, uh, friends that are, you know, agents, friends that are casting directors, friends that are teachers, friends that, you know, there's so much you can do with the degree. We're, because actors, we're professional blaggers, we're very, um, like, we're easy to get on with. We've transferable skills from an acting degree are huge. Mm. And I think that needs to be pushed a little bit more in drama schools. Yeah, not just this. I know GSA have this reel. I, I think it might have changed now, but I remember turning up and it was just this reel of people who were working in the industry, but it was only people who were working on stage or on screen. Mm-hmm. It was never the, the people who were directors or create, uh, people who were doing other exciting things. It was always the credits from the West End. Yeah. And I'd love to see that with different, different uh, professions within the industry because I think that's what it should be about. Mm. Yeah, it's not. I, we don't have that real anyway. I never saw a real um, my my time there this yeah, year. I think, I think it's stopped now. Yeah, they had like a presentation thing. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's I think they do more of that on their like Instagram pages and yeah, stuff. Yeah. So they'll say like Adam Boardman starring as Tonight yeah. tonight in Bristol, and that's UK, great. That's or, great. We absolutely like applaud that. Put yeah. that up. great. Absolutely. Well, there's other people doing great stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. One girl got um, a cover for Christine in Phantom, like during term time, yeah, and yeah. I remember the whole building just erupted in applause. And like we, had, yeah, yeah. they stopped lessons. Everyone was just yeah, yeah. on all three levels, just oh, applauding that, this. Girl. Yeah, that's what it's about. That's, that's yeah, it. yeah. Absolutely. I've forgotten her name, so but I've been in touch with her, and I said congratulations and stuff. And yeah. I'm sure she's doing great work and stuff. Yeah, because like that. that's just started that cast change. So yeah, know. yeah. I know someone who's doing. Um, well, a friend of a friend is ra- a cover for Raoul now and yeah. uh, at Her Majesty's Theatre and stuff. And uh, yeah, doing really well. But yeah, man, this has been so much fun, man. Thank you so no, much. Thank for you. Today, yeah, thank you for me on. Yeah, good. I just have one final question for you today, just to finish things off, uh, which I say to all my guests, which is what's been an experience or experiences that you've had in your time with the acting industry today that you'll never forget? Um. Two instances, really. One being a little bit selfish, and that's obviously going on as Tenardier, just amazing. Mm. Um, first time doing that and having all my peers behind me applaud me and then, you know, big reaction from amazing. That's a fab moment. Mm. Um, but the other one was when we were doing Caesar, we, like I said, we used to go into schools uh, and do a performance here or there. And we were in one school and they warned us about this school. Mm. But it's, they said it, they're saying... It's a rough school. It was in it was in London. Mm. Rough school. We 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 had people come in before. It's not worked. Mm. Like be be prepared for things to go a bit wrong. Meaning the students are, it was a prime school. Students yeah. aren't going to get involved. And I remember the first five ten minutes was a bit ropey. You know, a few heckles or whatever. You know, mm. um, but there was the scene. Spoiler alert: where we kill Caesar. Yeah. And um, I, rem- I remember there's the moment it's happened. We've done the fight. It was brutal, the fight we did, actually. You know, big mm. knife fight. And we finished, and 300, 400 kids, and there wasn't a dot, there was not a sound. And I remember I had opportunities to just sort of look around a little bit, and you just had three or 400 kids literally on the edge of their seats. Kids that were, they, 
he, the, the people who were in the school had written off. Mm. They're going to hate this. They're going to hate this. And we, we'd shown them our play and they were on the edge of their seats with it. And that was just like, this is cool. This is men. This is acting, but also I feel like I'm doing something. You know, it's scratching. You know, I'm getting paid. I'm feeling great, but it's also doing something else for someone else. And I think that's what's important. That was a good one. Wow, I'd love to have been in that moment of just. Like, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. I'm sure they then started heckling later on in the play, but for that <laughs> moment, and cursing when they were in the fourth act, and it's getting a bit long, but. Yeah. For that moment, we had 300 kids from an underprivileged area who were written off by teachers mm. in the palm of our hands. Fantastic. I, I wish I was there for that, just to hear that silence yeah. that, that you get in the theatre at times. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's nothing else quite like it. But uh, but yeah, well, that's amazing. Adam, thank you so, well, so much you. for today, man. I've It's been a great seeing you again. I've learned even more from you today. And it's a real testament to how much just just you being your authentic self and like you talking today and everything it's been a, a huge pleasure to hear it and i i know the fact you've given me a lot more to be thankful for a lot more to be hopeful for and grateful for for this i'm sure that people who watch and the people who listen to this will as well and to shows that we need more people like you and you know we want to, we want to hear your words and i, I want to read your book when it when it comes out as well <laughs> i'm looking forward to that so um but yeah it's, but um uh, just quickly on a personal note what um uh, you and laura have you set a date yet at all yes we're getting married in april next year so uh that's that's a lot of the faulty but also terrible timing because i finished in january the name is and then yeah. a big wedding in the middle of easter and yeah. what 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 job's going to take me on when I'm getting married? <laughs> um, no, yeah, look forward to it. It's going to be good. Yeah, well, I'm sure it will be. I'm sure it'll be a great ceremony. And uh, you know, shout out to Laura again as well, and and Ross and Tom and everyone else there. Sure. But uh, cool, man. I'm if you just hang on, I'll finish the recording and I'll yeah. say goodbye to you one to one. But uh, guys, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. This is the Uncensored Critic Podcast, and I'll be back again soon. Once again, Adam Borman. Thank you, sir.